Welcome back to our 39th episode of the Launcher Farm Show, where I interview Faisal Suziwala with Remax in Cambridge. In this episode, Faisal and I talk about why you should learn to be a marketer and not a salesperson. Faisal shares how he started with a small farm of a thousand homes and then scaled up slowly. And then as he grew, he continually added different marketing methods into his farm. And then we share what you can do to add value to your community while getting your name out there at the same time. We talk about a super easy way to create personal engagement in your farm by using social media and other online strategies to work your database. And Faisal shares how consistency can keep you top of mind to build your brand and what strategies have worked best for him. Plus, we talk about a ton of other ideas that you can use to grow your geographic farm. So be sure to check out the episode, like and subscribe, and enjoy the episode with Faisal. Thanks for joining us on another episode of the Launcher Farm Show. I'm your host, Ryan Smith, and today we've got a great guest. It's Faisal Suziwala from Remax. So Faisal, take a second, tell us a bit about yourself and why you're here. Hi, Ryan. Thanks for having me on. So um, I'm with Remax in Cambridge, Ontario, Canada. I've been uh, a realtor since the age of 18, so 32 years this year wow. uh, completed. Uh, yeah, I've been with uh, Remax for the last 27 years of my career, and I started with a smaller brokerage uh, in my first five years. So yeah, love what I do and uh, happy to be with you today. Awesome. So you know a bit about real estate that I'm guessing by the, how long you've been in the business. So. A little bit. So tell us a bit about yourself, kind of how you got to where you're at. Obviously, you've got some really big accolades and, and some accomplishments you've made. But let's, I like to start with kind of the beginning. What did that look like for you when you got started? And how did you grow to where you're at? So I, so I accidentally got into the business because I had no idea what I was doing. I was 17 years old, watching an infomercial on television and saw a really wealthy Asian immigrant uh, uh, sitting on the back of a yacht, uh, <laughs> you know, enjoying, uh, enjoying his wealth uh, from real estate. I'm like, I want to be that guy. So let me learn. So I take a college community course, uh, which was six weeks at a time. It was introduction to real estate and led to licensing. Um, I was 18 years old by then. And uh, in November of 88, uh, while I was still in high school, I went down and asked a franchise if they would hire me. They said, you look like you're 12 years old. <laughs> you're not going to make it in this business, kid. Come back when you're a little bit older and get an education. Uh, and I didn't have a car at the time. And I was waiting for the bus to arrive at the bus terminal downtown. And I remember there was a gentleman that owned a real estate office that my father knew. And I went and asked him if he would consider licensing me. And he was 73. So he was the eldest member of the community of, yeah. of the board. And I was the youngest. And um, that was my start. That's awesome. That's a great, a great start because for a lot of people, they think age is a, is a deterring factor for them. And I've, I've talked to many agents who said, well, I'm, I'm not old enough yet. People won't take me seriously. And I've always said, you can work at any age. You can start at 70, you can start at 17. You just got to find what works for you. So obviously you, you jumped in and, and you've had a successful career for you, you, you do a lot of localized marketing and, and farming. What does it look like for you now versus what it looked like for when you started in the business? So, you know, that's great because branding, farming, marketing, that's really what we're about as far as realtors, you know, um, we're not really salespeople. We should be marketing people. We yep. should be branding people. And when I you agree. brand yourself, when you become synonymous with your industry, you're a top of mind recall. People are going to think of you when they think of that industry. So how do you get there? And that's, you know, I was fortunate that at a very young age, I realized what I did was I creatively sort of mimicked what everybody else was, was doing. Yep. So I was... 
saying, okay, what are the successful people in my industry doing? They were sending out flyers. They were on billboards. They were on bus benches. Um, what were the not so successful people doing? They were door knocking and they were cold calling and they were burning out and yep. they would be in the office day after day, um, just exhausted and, and hated life. And I'm like, okay, I don't want to be those people. Yep. I want to be the people that are getting passive uh, sort of marketing out there and getting calls as a result of building a brand. And I didn't even know what marketing was or building a brand was. I was 18 years old. I had no formal education in that. But I started copying what those people were doing. And I did it on a very small scale. Yep. So I picked my neighborhood where I lived and I hand delivered a thousand flyers every three weeks. And then I increased that to 2000 and 5000. Then my legs got tired and then I got Canada Post to do it for me. Uh, but slowly, you know, what I did was I just started very slowly and I kept expanding. Yep my marketplace then i went into the billboards then i went into uh, bus benches and uh, backs of buses and to this day what i'm doing is still doing that very macro marketing where you're top of mind recall when i ask someone how they heard of me uh the response i often get is you're everywhere and that's what you kind of want. You're the go-to. You become synonymous with the industry. And um, so that was one way of sort of building my brand. And I use the power of the franchise that I'm associated with to make sure that I was leveraging their brand, right. but associating with, with mine and making sure that it was, it was out there. And people would remember, it didn't matter what part of the world they were in. If they saw that brand name and they were from this area, they would think of me again. So those were some of the things. Beyond that, um, you know, when you get to a point, and, and I've been very fortunate in this industry, I, I, I was ranked, uh, and I, I continue to be ranked the top selling agent in Remax for Canada and second in the world. Um, it's very difficult to uh, stay in touch with your clients on a regular basis. So there has to be um, community integration and a way to give back. And that's not, giving back is just good to do, and you should always do that, and not for marketing, not for any other purpose, but you live in a community that has um, provided you with so much and given so much to you. So it's only fair that you give back to that community. And the way to do that is, uh, it's very difficult for me to give housewarming presents to everybody, Christmas presents to everybody, um, Thanksgiving, Easter, you know, celebrating. So I've aligned myself with many different charities with which are local and which are not local as well that are in need. So what, be it cancer, diabetes, Alzheimer's, um, and, and, but then there's local shelters and food banks and that, and a way to really give back is um, to support those initiatives, to yeah. support where the needs are. When someone reaches out to you from your sphere, from your community, um, don't turn your back on them. Even if it's very little, whatever you can do, do something and market that. And two reasons to market that. It's not to say, look what I'm doing, look what I've just given back. It's to bring awareness to that charity. You have a platform. I use social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, Google, all of that as my platform. That's become my database. That has become my marketing portal. And what I'm doing is I'm posting A, about the charity, but B, I'm also letting my database and my followers know that I'm not just taking... I'm also giving back. And that's it. And, and, and you don't have to say, here's what I've done. This is saying, here's what I'm supporting. Yeah. Um, there was, uh, you know, 
I celebrated my 25th anniversary in, in, in the business about uh, seven years ago. Um, and at that point, it's like, okay, how do I, uh, I can't invite everybody to a movie theater and, and show them a movie or invite them to a banquet hall and have a celebration. So what I did was I, uh, there's a Cambridge Fall Fair that we have annually. So I sponsored the Fall Fair for two days. I paid nice. for all the tickets and I invited the whole city to wow. come on me. But that's a great way just to sort of leverage, again, your brand and give back to your community. They may or may not have been my clients, but many of them appreciated that. And I got great comments back on that. Um, when it comes to initiatives in your local community, um, you know, giving back is your number one way of saying I care and it's the number one way of getting publicity as well. Not that that's, again, I, 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 I emphasize <laughs> It's not the reason you do it, but you've got to do something to give it back. Um, then farming, you know, today's flyer is social media. In my opinion, I, I'm not <laughs> any print anymore. I'm not on, um, you know, in magazines or newspapers. Um, so I've, I've changed my marketing to, you know, for the past seven years to social media and I'm growing my followers. I'm growing my social media game to make sure that that's where I'm relevant. That's where I engage. That's my sphere. And that's where people know that, Hey, I'm available. So there's content that's that's private, there's con or you know, personal, I should say. And then there's content that's business. And they have to have a balance of that. So people know who you are as a person as well. Yeah. So there's a, a ton of stuff in there that I want to I want to break down because you basically laid out one of the things that I preach. So I, I have a method I call the scope method. And it's starts with it's a, how to have a balance in your business. And it's uh, self-promotion, community, online prospecting and education. And you basically embrace that whole entire thing and really built that in through my own research, through my own interviews, through my own experience, my own business, the agents who succeed the most are the ones who put the community first. And obviously you've done that. And that's a big part of, of what you do. It's like you said, you're doing it because you care, not just the, because you want to get business out of it. That's a, that's a byproduct. But I want to go back before we get to that part is the key is you scaled up. And that's the thing that mistake that a lot of agents make is they look at everyone and saying, oh, so-and-so is doing this, they're doing this. And they try to emulate at that level. And it's, you said, you started with a thousand homes, then went to two, then to four. And that's where you have to really scale up and test what you're working on and then grow it. If you, if you try to go too big, you're going to blow your, through your budget. You're going to end up broke before you've had that. So you have to scale up. So for you, obviously you did that well. The community is obviously a big part of that, which is, is huge. And in return, it then feeds you back to business, which is, which is huge. And I think that's super valuable to, to take that away because people need to know, give back to the community and they will in return give back to you. Yeah. And, and one of the things that I want to add to scaling up is what I realized when I was um, modeling excellency creatively was that those individual agents were working on a feast and famine model. Yeah. So, you know, as soon as they, they did well, their plate was full, they stopped for a season. Yeah. Um, so they, they worked really hard, uh, January, February, March marketing, got all the business in April, May, June, July, August, they took a little vacation. September was the fall. They're like, Christmas is coming. So we're going to relax for a little bit longer and then start all over again. What I did was consistency. It didn't matter if I was only sending out a thousand flyers every three weeks, every three weeks without interruption, regardless of the day, regardless of the holiday, those flyers were in those mailboxes. Um, and that 
consistency created um, that top of mind recall because um, you know I've heard all kinds of different scenarios, but someone's got to see your name what eleven times before they remember you. Um, so you know you've got to be there. You've got to be in their peripheral vision at all times. And like that elevator music in the background, you don't really hear it uh, until <laughs> right until exactly. you think about it, right? Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of agents have come to me and said, I've, I've tried farming. I tried sending out something here. And I said, sending out something to an area isn't farming. Sending out something once, sending out something for a month, something for even two months isn't farming. That's marketing, but it's not farming. It's that consistency that really is what's going to separate you. And most agents give up. They try something, then they, they don't stick around with it long enough, or they don't test it enough, and they just give up on it. And for you, you, you said it, it's, it's the consistency. That's the critical part. And that's where it takes some time. You can get do things to have some quick wins, but those consistent messages is what's going to really build the long-term success for an agent. Absolutely. That's correct. Yeah. So for you, how have things shifted in COVID times? Because a lot of agents are struggling right now and they're going, well, how do I, how do I get myself out there? I can't do community events. I can't door knock. I can't do open house. I can't, what have you done to kind of shift? Because for a lot of agents, they're struggling right now and going, what, what should I do? So, you know, last year in March, when, when the whole COVID pandemic was starting, um, not, none of us really understood what was going to happen. We have no idea. Um, but there was a lot of fear in the marketplace. There was a lot of fear among sellers thinking, oh my goodness, things are going to drop. I mean, you had banks coming out and government coming out saying that the market's going to crash 20%, 25%. I mean, RBC put out an article which was awful, which said <laughs> the market's going to drop. Scotiabank followed suit. And I'm thinking this does make, it just makes no sense at all. Now, depending on the region that you were in, that pandemic had a very positive impact, but it didn't, people didn't realize, and we didn't realize what was going to happen. So my message was of, again, community support. I went online and I put out on my social media and anybody can go onto my Instagram or Facebook feeds or Twitter and see my message back of March of last year. And it was stop doing anything at this point. Stop, just stop, just wait. Do not let people come in your own. And my message to agents was like, don't panic. Don't panic sell. A pandemic sell, I call it. Right? <laughs> yeah. Because here's the problem. You're going to make bad decisions. And people are going to... So anybody was, that was on the market in the middle of March thought, okay, the world's going to collide. We're just going to dump our properties. They sold for 15 or 20% less than what their homes were really worth. Yeah. Then in May, the market started improving. So it was gauging. But when when something like that happens, that's where you can show your true character. Are you going to feed off the fear? Are you going to fear monger? Are you going to um, give people that insecurity just for that little bit of gain? Or are you going to support them? You may or may not be right. But if you show your support and say, look, maybe we don't know what's going on. Let's maybe put a hold on things right now. So there was about a month and a half that I put a hold on absolutely everything. I changed all my marketing to support to um, thanking the, 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 the frontline workers to, to, to show that we care about what they're doing and just bringing awareness in the community, helping people with you know um, uh, gloves and masks and whatever they needed. Um, and, and that was a way of just, again, showing your support to your community. So, um, but you had to change the way you do business and it can't be business as usual. It had to be, uh, protocols had to be followed. And that's something else that, you know, you engage with your audience and you, and 
basically it's another way of farming you're telling your population what should be done and following the protocols yeah i i've said it's really created opportunities that we've never had before and not not in a taking advantage of a situation in that we have an opportunity to really have a voice and position ourselves rather than that sleazy salesman that some people seem to think some agents are to really elevate our our expertise to elevate our status in, in the community. And especially from a farming perspective, you can give back to that community. You can make an impact. Uh, one of the things that I suggest for a lot of my coaching clients is that focusing on those local businesses, because we have an opportunity to really help give them a voice. These small businesses have lost their marketing dollars. They've lost a ton of resources that they didn't have, that they had pre pandemic. They've lost steam because of, of, it's been beaten up because of everything going on. And I said, we have an opportunity to really give back, help them, help them have a voice, really showcase these mom and pop businesses and really help them re kind of figure out where they're headed. And if you do that, you're, you're killing two birds with one stone in that you're helping promote them. You're helping the community. You're creating value for the community. And then you're also getting your name out there as that ambassador. And that is that person who cares. And there's a absolutely local support. It's so important. And, and especially in these times, because yeah. again, that's part of your tribe. That's part of your circle. You need to support them. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of agents who focus on the transactional side of things tend to skip over that. And I said, those agents are going to lose market share because they aren't giving back to the community. People are so hyper aware of the community and that, that local tie together. And it's like, we, we need to be there and, and help. And we have an opportunity that we didn't. The other thing is a lot of agents have scaled back their marketing. They out of fear from themselves. They, they pulled back on things that they used to do. The agents who are out door knocking and cold calling or open houses aren't doing those things. So there's an opportunity for us to pick up market share as long as we shift and pivot to strategies that are working. So for you guys, what has been working for you other than changing the message to really keep or grow your market share in the last year? So when this market was um, declining during that March, April season, um, what I realized was there was an opportunity mm. to bring many of the buyers from out of town that would find value in living in a suburb such as Cambridge. Yep. Um, so I started marketing in Milton, Mississauga, Brampton, Oldfield, Burlington, drive 35 minutes, save $350,000. Yep. The unintended consequences of COVID was de-urbanization, yep. people working from home, wanting better quality of life, wanting a yard, wanting a pool, getting out of the condo, not wanting to stay in shared accommodations. So it was you know, talk about pivoting. It's like, okay, I'm not going to focus my marketing on the locals who are already fearful. Why not bring an opportunity? Now, I take a lot of uh, criticism saying, well, you're bringing people in from out of town. There's a reason to drive. You've driven the market up and that's why you're getting $200,000 over asking. Great for sellers. I understand that. It's But remember, those buyers are also coming out of communities where they're accustomed to that's the way they buy. So you've got to price the homes accordingly. So it's created this bidding war. It's created this environment of, uh, of inflation in the marketplace, but also it's created an opportunity uh, for people who have owned their homes for many, many years and had modest returns, 2%, 3% when our neighbors to the East were getting eight to 10% yeah. to finally catch up to true values. So, you know, Again, not to get off topic, but I don't feel it's a bubble. It's actually a new level being formed. I agree. And I believe that that's where it's going to be for some of those outside of the core areas. Yeah, I 100% I agree. For, for people listening who aren't from our area, 
they may not understand that the dynamics of, but I full, fully believe that I grew up in Niagara. I'm in Hamilton myself and that I've always said Niagara has been undervalued drastically undervalued and it now brought to light and people go, wow, there's opportunities, there's value there. And, and it really helped reshift people's thinking on, on, on how they do that. So I want to dive into the, the team, obviously to be the number one agent in Canada, you're not doing it on your own. So you obviously have a team in place. I want to talk about how you parlay your brand with the team, keep people happy. Cause I find for a lot of agents, they struggle with that balance of growing a team, growing their own personal brand, but also allowing their team to thrive. So how do you, how have you done that over the years and, and what's been the best kind of secret for you to really keep everything happy? So you'll be surprised to hear, Ryan, I don't have a team. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> yeah. So no, I take my words back. <laughs> no, but I, I, I don't have a team, but I do. Let me explain okay. how that works. So last year I sold 448 homes. Wow. How did I do that? I listed those homes for the most part. Yep. I refer buyers, but I work okay. my own listings. So okay. every listing I attend, I sit down with the seller. I negotiate the offer. My three assistants who are not licensed are the ones that do the feedback, follow-up, marketing, all of that to keep me in line. Anytime someone is looking to purchase, I refer those just as you, if I was referring, if somebody's looking for a home in Hamilton, I'm going to call Ryan and say, Ryan, here's somebody, give me a referral fee if it works out. Yep. With the team environment is very different because, um, it, and in my opinion, it's not very sustainable because you can't keep team members happy all the time. That's because, why I was asking because it's, it's, yeah. it's tricky balance. It's impossible. And this is why I've never had a team. You're constantly taking from the team any of their efforts mm -hmm. on what they procured on their own. And that sometimes leads to animosity and unhappiness and all of that. So my concept is very simple. You only pay me on what I give you. I'm a lead generator. That's what I am. My role is to generate leads for, for you. They may come from my listings. They may come from my postings. They may come from my branding or my, my advertising. Yeah. But I will never take anything that you've done on your own. Right. And my basic platform allows that agent to thrive because they can use the funds that they're earning as a, as a result of the leads that I'm generating for them to market themselves. They can have billboards and buses and benches, and they're not in someone's shadow. Whereas in a team environment, the team leader gets all the credit and, and the poor hardworking team member is, you know, five years later, they're like advertising and, and the clients are asking, well, are you new in the business? Like I've never seen you before, which comes down to farming and branding. Team leaders don't like me very much for this approach, uh, <laughs> but it works and it's, it's, it's really equitable for all parties involved. I do extremely well as a result of referring because I know that that's the strong suit of that. And I, and I, I try to find hungry agents that are wanting to work, that are willing to work, whether it's leases or whether it's first time home buyers or whatever it is, they're willing to put the effort out there where I know that I don't have the, I've done 32 years of this. I don't <laughs> have the energy to cab around 20 people and show 20 people a week and show them houses. Yeah. So, so, you know, you sort of pick, and especially in the last couple of years uh, or last five years, I say, you know, being a listing agent has been very, very lucrative. Yes. So that, that's perfect. Then that segues into the next question is by focusing on listings, what strategies are you doing to do that? Because for a lot of agents, that's where they struggle. They, they can do buyer leads. It's easy to run some online ads and get some buyer leads. How are you 
capitalizing so well on listings for because for a lot of agents that's one of their biggest struggles is to get those listings what are you doing differently or what are you doing that's worked for you that's actually helped you get those listings specifically well the first 10 years that i was in this business i rarely had a listing okay so my you know it's time guys there's no secret to getting listings it's time it's time, it's effort, it's energy, it's, uh, it's communication, it's marketing, it's branding, it's farming. Yes, I was out there pounding the payment from day one trying, but that's 10 years of farming and 10 years of branding yeah. that got me to a point where I've never had to pick up the phone and make a cold call or door knock because that marketing is now. So all those buyers, if you cultivate your buyers and you work with those buyers, properly and stay in touch with them over your career, they're going to become sellers. They're going to become advocates. They're going to become evangelists for you. So make sure that you're staying in touch with your clientele and your database. So that's where the listings. Now, once you get the listings, my claim to fame is I'm selling over asking. I'm selling all, you know, so many homes per week, month, whatever it may be, but I'm marketing it. So call it bragging about it, call it whatever. It doesn't matter what you want to call it. The fact is I'm not selling it and then going home and celebrating. I'm actually showing the results. When you show the results, people want those results. When they, when they see what you've done for their neighbor, they're going to ask you to do the same for them. So don't be shy about sharing your successes because that's where you're going to get the leverage. And it comes back to that consistency you were talking about is that for a lot of agents, they work hard for a month and then take it easy and then real they get busy over the summer and they slow down when it comes to listings and leads, you need to learn to leverage those leads into more leads. And I, one of the things I teach in my bootcamp is how to take buyer leads and turn them into seller leads. A lot of agents overlook buyer leads and go, well, they're just buyers. I don't want to look at them. It's like, you can leverage the leads you've got, whether they're listings, whether there's buyers and do correct marketing, really go out there and then turn that around to get more business. And that's how you're going to keep Expanding. Yes. And, and to that point, when I send my buyers a lead, that buyer may have a home to sell yeah. to, to incentivize that buyer to make sure they keep that buyer hot to get us the listing. If that buyer agent gets me the listing or the listing appointment because they're buying another home, yeah. they're getting 25% referral on that listing as well. So yeah. now they're getting 50% on the buy, they're getting 25% on the sell. So there's so much value that's coming. So it's again, how exactly to your point, don't just say, well, I'm going to go sell these people a house. Well, what do they have to sell? Yeah. Where are they coming from? How maybe we can just refer it, but there's still so many streams of monetizing your license, yeah. but just not putting yourself and painting yourself into a little square. Yep. And a lot of agents I find get lazy with their leads and they set them up on a drip on MLS and then they just sit back and then hope something happens. Like you can turn that searching for a home for them into more deals. You can turn that into listings. You can turn your listings into more transactions if you market it correctly and, and work the system, but it, it takes time. And a lot of agents aren't willing to do that. And they just want just to sit back and flow to them. And like you said, it took 10 years of, of hustle to, to get to that point where it then starts coming in automatically. So, right. and also that 10 years that I was generating income from those buyers, I was investing heavily back into the market through yes. farming. I, at the 10 year mark, I was farming 30,000 homes every three weeks. Wow. So it's, it's something that, but again, it comes down to, do I want to take, um, you know, 
5% of my income and put it back in, or I'm going to take 20 or 25%. In my earlier years, I was probably up to 20 to 25% of my gross annual income back into marketing. Now I've been able to reduce it significantly. Yep. In those days, you're investing back in your business. Let's face it, we don't own a store. We don't have to buy inventory. Invest in yourself by marketing. Exactly. One of the things I, I preach is you should fund your farm with your farm and you should take money from that, fund it back into it. Just like a real farm is they grow a plant, that plant gets seeds, they take those seeds and replant that and you need to do that with their business. And the, again, where I see a mistake that a lot of agents make is they set aside a budget, they get started and then things get slow. And then they, now they're, they're mentally thinking, I got to take that out of my personal budget. They got to, oh, I got to take that out of my bank account. My wife's going to kill me. I can't do that. It's like, no, no, no. You should be taking off of every single deal, set that aside in a separate account and they should always be funding it from the farm. Obviously at the beginning, it's going to take money out of your own pocket, but you should be re reinvesting back in your business if you want it to grow because that's how you, that's how you scale up. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. So what strategies have you changed from the beginning to now? What have you kept that's worked over the, the long haul? Because obviously you've been around for a long time. What has stayed and, and what's shifted for you? So the, the, the personal engagement is so important and that's something that's never changed yeah. for me. Um, it's just the way in which we engage has changed. So I am now unable to, you know, make a phone call and say, Hey, how's it going? But my engagement is now social media, my database, my entire database has been transferred over time to social media. When little Johnny gets his first goal, Faisal is going to send a little message saying way to go. Now that's engagement right there. Didn't take any of my, now I personally do that. I don't have a company that does that for me. Postings depends on the advertising that's done by someone that I have in house that does my full-time social media work for me. Yep. But any of the comments that are written to me or that are replied to those I'm doing personally. So I'm staying engaged that way. And you know, it doesn't take that long. I have, I think just over 5,000 followers on Instagram. I personally engage with anybody that comments on LinkedIn, on any of those platforms. That's my way of staying engaged. And that's my way of showing people that I, I'm still part of their, their sphere. And so, so, so the great news is I'm not spending money on postage stamps. I'm not spending money on any of that print stuff that I used to do. So sponsored ads, boosting, and you can go specifically into a target audience. And that's the beauty of what we've got now with social media. Look, I'm, I'm a dinosaur. Fax machines were technology <laughs> when I started in this business. But evolution. So what has, what has allowed me to stay at the top of my game? I evolved. I didn't say, oh, that social media stuff's for the kids. Well, I did say that, but, seven, <laughs> yeah. but then I realized that if I'm not doing that, yeah. then I'm out of, I'm going to be out of the loop and I'm going to be having the same fate as some of my colleagues who sort of stayed. There were people when I, at seven year mark, uh, seven years ago, when I pulled out of the magazines and newspapers, the magazines and newspapers were offering me free pages to say, wow. don't pull out because the, your, your sphere will follow the leaders in the industry. So if, if a leader is pulling out of something, just as I followed the leaders in the industry, when they were doing flyers, I did a lot of flyers. Yep. I pulled out and all of a sudden it's like, okay, well, what's going on? But it's embracing the new technology. It's disrupting the disruptors. 
So don't say this is disruption or, you know, um, uh, I buyers coming and this is happening and wholesaling is going on. We're all going to Fizbos are Fizbos have been around since the <laughs> beginning of time. Yeah. But so how do you how do you disrupt that? And the way to disrupt that is using the same platforms that they're using, yep. but doing it creatively yep. and applying those methodologies into your own menu of services yeah. and say i can offer you that if i buyer is giving you this ridiculously low price here's my checkbook i'll give you ten thousand dollars more than what they're offering you but i don't recommend you take it because i know i can get you more so there's ways of of, of disrupting what we feel is just but the important factor here is your marketing must evolve with what the needs of today require exactly and one of the things I talk about is we have to shift from talking at our audience to talking with and old school prospect and old school farming was just blasting your message out there and trying to get your name out there, which does work. But as you said, the, the, the technology shifted, what people expect has shifted and they want to have that conversation. They want to know that you care that they scored that soccer game. So it's that shifting to having conversations with them, not at them. And when you can do that, you, like you said, you're getting into the platforms that they're at. We have a huge opportunity because these people are literally on their phone day after day, hour after hour. And we now have an ability to connect with them. Whereas before it, you had to send a postcard, hope that they grab it, hope they hold on to it, hope that that's enough to, to, to build an engagement. And now we have an opportunity to literally have a conversation with someone that we never could even connected with or even talk to or even know they existed before, which is, is huge. Yes. There's still value in that, you know, once a year uh, postcard. Oh, or for sure. So anniversary of every every client that I have when they when they bought their home, so their home anniversary, I send them a lottery ticket and yep. say, I hope I hope you can pay off your mortgage. You know, <laughs> so what it's doing is you're still getting. You know, I I mean I and my my envelopes are handwritten. I don't I don't have pre printed because I enjoy seeing a card come in the mail, especially in these times where somebody's taking the time to handwrite a little card to me. And that's something, again, that, you know, if you do it properly and you do it consistently, it's not that difficult to do. Yeah, that's, that's huge. So before we wrap up, I want to ask you, because it sounds like since I put my foot in my mouth and you don't have a team, um, how are you managing all yourself? Because that's for a lot of people are probably sitting here going, there's not a chance in hell I could do this on my own. How, how do you effectively manage your time and, and do that many deals and do everything you're doing? Well, you know, a lot of credit goes to my my assistants. Uh, Jennifer's been with me for 19 years. Alicia's been with me for the last six years. And, and what I'm doing is I'm making sure that we have systems and strategies and policies in place. And it's it's clockwork. Here's what we got to do. A listing comes in. Here's what you do. A call comes in. Here's what you do. A lead comes in. Here's what you do. A buyer brings in a referral. Here's what you do. So we're just making sure that these are the policies, procedures, and you need good people who can execute. Yeah. So, you know, when you have a thought, that's great. Now execution is important. Yes. <laughs> and if, so there, like 1 a.m., 2 a.m., I will have a thought in my mind that I know I'm going to forget by the time I wake up in the morning. Yeah. So I send a quick little email to my staff, which they're not answering in the middle of the night, so don't worry. <laughs> but when they arrive at the office in the morning, they're already on that you know, executing that thought to make sure that I may have driven by and seen something. I'm like, oh, geez, I got to look into this property. All of a sudden, they're already looking into it in the morning. So execution is important. And once you have a system in place, and, you know, I have a full system. In fact, I've got um, a, a book out which talks about my system. And it's 
it spells out step by step by step exactly what one should do to create that platform or that type of business model yeah. because it's very sustainable and you never lose people. So my buyer's agents have been with me for over 10 years and they don't leave because it's just filling the gaps for them. They're, they're building their own business, but they know there's going to be a consistent stream of leads. It's no different than signing up for a lead generation company yep. on the internet and you're paying a referral fee to them. Yep. It's the same type of thing, but I'm doing it on a localized way in a localized environment. Yeah, that, that systems is super important because it allows you to know what to expect. It allows you to have that same level of customer service. So your clients get the same experience. They get a system in place and you can then not have to worry about it. And I've seen a lot of agents panic and they do one thing for one agent. They promise someone else something else and they, then they, they can't handle the, the variation between each client experience and that, that's where they struggle and so right and, that the, is huge. and the begrudging comes in when it's like that was my friend i just paid my team leader you know 50 percent or 25 percent. why did i have to do that because they're mentoring me you want mentorship get on the ryan show and learn <laughs> like but you know like like really it's 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 about it, there's the resources are there yeah. We're not living in those times where of fax machines, where you had to have someone, you know, get on YouTube, listen to some, some podcasts. There's so many resources out there that can teach you, read some books, and you'll learn exactly what you need to do. And it's not all about sales. It's about mindset. Yeah. And that's probably more important than skill is mindset. Yeah, I agree. So that perfectly ties into the next thing is what's one last piece of advice if you were to share with our audience of how they can succeed and really take their business to the next level, what would you suggest? Start branding now. Like start branding now, start marketing. It doesn't matter if it's 50. It doesn't matter if it's your church group. It doesn't matter if it's if it's whatever you're, you're involved in. Start marketing. Do it in a classy way. Don't be in their face. Don't call them. Don't door knock them. But let people know you exist. Engage. Engage with an audience. And, and forget those automated um, you know, database programs that shoot off emails. No one's, no one's reading this. <laughs> Nobody cares about your emails, right? So, and, so get, get, get real, shoot a 30 second video, post it on Instagram. Believe me, you're gonna get 10,000 views if you're talking about something that's relevant. Watch the news. Mortgage stress test is, is coming out. Uh, what are the changes? What is going to, you know, look at some graphs, put a little video clip, just talk about what's happening in the marketplace today. And you're going to create followers and you're going to create engagement. Yeah, that's huge. And that's, that's totally true because you need you just, it's all about creating value for them. And if you create value for them, they will in return, follow you, want to connect with you and, and want to have a business and, and want to be in business with you, which is huge. So exactly. one of the things we wrap up with is a best book segment. So what's one book that's made an impact or changed your life or you think would have an impact on our viewers? So, so I, I've read several, like many, many books. Um, I'm a big follower of Tony Robbins. Um, and, and again, that goes with the whole mindset thing. And again, you take it with a grain of salt. But um, one, one of the books that I read uh, a couple of years ago that really um, sort of put into play uh, what I was thinking that I was doing, but it now started making sense as to why I'm doing what I'm doing, was a book called Persuasion yes. by Robert Fieldini. M amazing book. Excellent book. I recommend it highly and not persuasion, persuasion. persuasion yeah. And and this is 
a phenomenal, and it talks about uh, NLP, neurolinguistic programming, and and basically that's what we do as as salespeople, and that's how you can relate to your to your audience. That's how you can relate to your clients, and you can sort of understand the workings of of the psyche of sales. And that's so important. And again, I don't come from any sort of formal background education, but those are you know little tidbits that you pick up along the way that you can implement into your day-to-day. And it's so natural that it just helps you build your business. Yeah, it's, that's a great book. Uh, any of his books are, are fantastic. And that helps you really learn how to do it in your business, but also see it on the other side. And that really opens your eyes to seeing psychology of sales when you're not, when you're being sold too. So it, it's a fantastic setup. So that was awesome. Thank you for that. How can our viewers check out what you're up to? You mentioned your book. How can they find out about that as well? Sure. Yeah. Well, I'm going to do a little shameless plug here. Here we are. It's called The Real Deal, Journey of a Billion Dollar Real Estate Broker. I wrote it during the pandemic. Uh, So it was last year that I I wrote it. It's on Amazon. It's on Audible. Uh, There's eBooks out. uh, Check it out. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's and and of course, my website, uh, homeshack.com. And follow me on Instagram. That's uh, where I engage the most with uh, my my friends. So I'd love to hear from you. Awesome. We'll put that in the show notes. We'll put the books in the best book section as well. So we can, people can check that out. So thank you for being on the show. Thank you for dropping your wisdom and sharing with our audience. And you can see your passion and your, your commitment to excellence, which is awesome. And thank you for just sharing that knowledge with us. It's been, it's been awesome. My pleasure, Ryan. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thanks for checking out today's episode. If you'd like more videos like this, be sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Check out our Facebook page and our other social media channels. Looking forward to bringing you more great content like this and happy farming. Happy farming.